14 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. This is Vince, and I'm sitting with Nick, Crispy, and Matt, the full crew, every this week. And we're going to just jump right into things, because this is the mini-show, and we just basically talk about one topic and just try to digest it in about 20 minutes or less for you to get a nice little chunk of information up in your gullet. This week, we're going to talk about introduction of new characters into a campaign and how to bring in uh, existing players from another campaign, things like that. But if you reference the DMG on page 110 to 111, it talks about integration of experience or new players into a, an existing campaign. Now, if you want to take a moment to read that over yourself and you know get back to us, you can pause the podcast right here, and we'll be back for you. Okay, now that you've unpaused the podcast, great. <laughs> yes, I know. No one's really going to pause anything. <laughs> So let's talk about bringing people into your campaign from experience to newbies and how you handle that. What level do you start them at? Do you give them any magical items if they're a higher level? How about hit points for higher levels? Do you give them max hit points for like first, second, third level? Do you give it only first level? Make them just sit there and roll everything out. What about uh, do you give any bonus to stats? Things like that. You know, fun things that we want to know. So... <laughs> Let's start first things first. Obviously, you have a, an existing campaign going on, and let's mm-hmm. say your campaign's at fourth level, and then Crispy decides, hey, uh, uh, you guys look kind of cool. Can I join your game? Because you're playing at the little comic book store, and Crispy's a comic book nerd. He wants to join the game. And uh, Nick, you're the DM. So what are you going to do? How are you going to integrate? I'm going to have him play a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway. Um, you can only well, love a gnome. Yes. <laughs> A normal illusionist. No, and Crispy's no, like, oh, no. yeah, I want to play what, Crispy? What would you play? What was your go-to? Oh, man. Um, Come on, quick. Go-to. I'd just be a fighter. Or well, I would ask what the party needs, but typically I would just, if I'm Most new to the game, Most people do that, yeah. What, what does the fighter. party need? And okay. it's more than likely a cleric. Yeah. But let's just say, I usually just give somebody an introduction to how the campaign is, Some uh, what rule set we're using, some unique uh, rules I might be using. You know, uh, like for maybe something for character creation and and how we do it. And as far as um, mm-hmm. as far as like creating the character, uh, like what level? Like you're saying, there on the average party level, you're saying was like fourth. Yeah, fourth. So mm-hmm. I would probably my rule of thumb is I go by average party level and one level lower. So I'd bring them in as third level. Okay, Matt. What so about you? That's what I would do. All right, Matt, what yeah. about you? Yeah, my, I'm actually very similar. I will sit and I will talk with the player like, okay, here's the campaign. This is where they are. What is your idea? And work with them to figure out 
one, just what has their character been doing? So that way they don't just show up and they have the mysterious stranger with no backstory that looks like a fine, trustworthy fellow. <laughs> and then we would, uh, from there, just try to figure out, okay, one, what does the party need? Would play into it a little bit, but mostly it's what's the character concept that will fit into the story that would make it so that this character can join in to the party. For me, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then with levels, they're going to be like one level lower too. I mean, if you've played in my game long enough, you get shouldn't have someone that just shows up be the same level. So I'm I usually shave one off the average party level as well. All right, and uh, crispy. What about you? There are three rules I hate in AD and D. Okay. Psionics. Okay. The weapons uh, versus specific armor table. Okay. And the rule that says a new player should come in at first level. Even if, like if a character dies, a new any new character comes in at okay. first level. I I hate that. So uh, what I would do is yeah. I would get the average of everyone's experience who's already in the game, total that up and say make a character with this experience pool. So if you want a multi class, you can split it up and be you know whichever level of fighter, thief, or cleric, assassin that would then be equal with experience points uh, on the average okay um i like the rules like if you're just single class and coming in at first lo- or uh, level lower though that's also fine uh i've done it and i've done it the the uh, great joe dm way all these years <laughs> <laughs> he's always done it take the highest level of a person in the party and you start three levels lower than that person that's oh, three levels. Yeah, hmm. three levels. You never obviously you can't go below one unless you want to play a cavalier. But uh, yeah. so fourth level, he would start at first level. If it's like sixth level, he would start at you know third level. Three. Things like that. That's how I've always done it in my games going forward. So I mean, it's always worked. No one's really complained. I mean, it works somewhat. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get you know that's how it works. You come in too bad, you know. And I do the same thing as Matt too. Is like, you know, what does the party need? As far as a character is concerned, I don't really. And I think, I think sometimes, like almost always, it's going to be a cleric. Like I said, <laughs> for I, I'm more for the whole. You play what you want to play in my campaign. Don't play something just because the party needs something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I can't stand that when people we start a game and they're always just like, well, "What do we need?" Just play what you want to play. Play what you want to play. We'll figure it out. Hirelings. Remember those things? Remember henchmen? Those things, where that's where that comes into play. If people want to, don't want to play no, a cleric. Potions. There you go. They're not always that expensive a lot in my campaigns. Don't always be like, well, we got a fighter. Uh, we got a cleric. Well, we definitely need a magic user. Who wants to play that? No, I don't want to play. No, I don't want to play. Well, why don't you just not play that? Everyone hire a, fight, a magic user. Why not? That does think- make it unique. Yeah. I, I think the big aversion is when you have to get your players over the aversion of hiring hirelings. I don't know yeah. if I've ever had anyone actually hire a hireling. Yeah, no, I've never. Most of the campaigns, I have one person has done it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a B two game, um, and lying. I like. It's like oh, like it's going to be dangerous, and For I had an NPC suggest it. That would be module B two. Keep on the border. Keep on the borderlands. Um, I would hope they would know. Yeah, and they like. They basically hired a company of like five or six like men at arms. Mm-hmm. The guy from um, He Man. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. I love wow. that dude. Uh, that dude was awesome. And one uh, Tila, his daughter. 
<laughs> one T-Law. So a bunch of meat shields and his daughter. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, and that's kind of what they were. You know, um, in one of the melees, the uh, a couple of the men at arms died against kobolds, and it was it was good. Like they served their purpose, and I had them negotiate how to. Uh, Man at arms number three who died from a cobalt wound. I had them like negotiate salaries and things like that, but it, it's definitely something you have to coax they formed a people union. into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, like, we were playing um, recently another a 1E game, and everyone did the whole, well, you know, we have to have a balanced, pr- appropriate party. And someone got shoehorned into playing a cleric, because no one wanted to play a cleric, and he just went, fine, I'll play a cleric. And it was just like, you don't have to play a cleric if you don't want to play a cleric. And he played it, and he was miserable the entire time we played the game, because he mm. got forced into something he didn't want to play, because they had to have a balanced party. Even though I kept saying, you don't need to play that. You can play whatever you want. Just stock up on magic potions. Why don't you go into town? We'll figure out you can hire a cleric to follow the party around. Yeah. Uh, That's the thing. Like, I've always wanted to do the, like, the task force of all fighters with different weapon specialties. (laughs) You just, you go into a dungeon and you just run over everything. That's havoc. like something from second edition. Remember the splat books from the the, yeah. the character class splat books? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah like, like the Myrmidon and all like an all thief campaign or an all fighter campaign. You know, something like that. I know in like I think of the second edition player handbook they talk about an all dwarf party. That might be from Player's Handbook 2 from 3.5, now that I think about it. I've read a lot of D&D books. Um, yeah, but, like, I think it would be fun if you just have, like, you get a party of, like, six people. Everyone's a fighter. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, four of them are, oh like, sword and board. Or, like, maybe three of them are, like, sword and board fighters. And then three of them are Rain? spear fighters. And you just right. come in on ranks and or- just form a shield wall. Or you got, you know, it, like we're going with like this whole fighter motif. Maybe you got a couple like regular fighters out of the player's handbook. Maybe you got a cavalier, a yeah. paladin, a ranger. <laughs> and you just hire that cleric and just load him up with healing potions. And he's just got there a bandolier go. of healing potions on him, tossing it around. That, w- that yeah. would be fun. Yeah, it would that be. would be really well, fun. I well, that's why I'm going to do it. Fun yeah. too. Well, if the ranger was high enough, he could do oh. some cure light wounds. There you, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, also, also your paladin. He can lay yeah. hands. Hmm. Eventually, he could turn undead. Stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So, what about let's let's uh, let's moving forward here. What about magical items? Say the party is uh, ninth level, and uh, you know Matt's coming into play, and we're doing whatever. My one level lower, three levels lower, whatever the heck it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick, would you, would you grant him some magical items if the party is? Let's say the party is not heavy on magic. You have a couple rings, maybe a plus sword here or there, whatever, whatever. Would you give this new player? Would you look in the back of the book and you know, maybe roll a couple items or no? Hmm, that's that's a good question. You can. There is a way, like mm-hmm. uh, I know in the player's hand, not in the player's handbook, but the DMG, where like if you're creating characters for like. I think in a in a convention setting or something like that. Yeah, in generating magic items that way, you could do it that way. Yeah, you could do that. I think that's that's a fair way of doing it. Um, also, maybe if they're if we're talking about a character, and I guess it all depends on the level. Like if you're saying if everybody was like an average ninth level, 
uh, I would assume an eighth level character would have a, you know, a fairly decent amount of magic items. So I would kind of gauge it from what maybe everybody else has in a party. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of go from there. So, you know, there's a couple ways you could do it. Uh, I would, I would be fair about it, but I wouldn't like have anything like greatly overpowering. All right. Okay. I, I mean, like off the top of my head, like it, like an eighth level, I don't know, like an eighth level fighter. I can see him maybe having like, you know, maybe plate mail plus one. Yeah. You yeah. know, a shield plus one. You know, maybe uh, a plus two bastard sword. That's generally maybe, how I would do it. I would look at the party. Maybe a couple the, potions. You know, I would right. look at the party in a whole, see what magical items they have, and kind of be like, okay, they all have this, so let's give this new player something similar to what they have as far as in their inventory. Yeah, maybe they found a little bit more than they should have, but, you know, we want everyone to be on the same level playing ground, kind of. So, yeah, I would probably yeah. do that. Matt, what about you? Right. I might even uh, consider saying, okay, I will give you, like, say, a thousand experience points worth of magic items. Have at it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And go through and just let them shop, but it's experience point. The experience right. points cost oh. of. Okay. So, so that way they can kind of customize it and get whatever they want, but it's not going to be overpowered because the experience points is a nice way to control uh, exactly what they can get. That way they're not going to be able to get anything absurd. But it gives them the flexibility and the choice to pick what they want. Is that... A thousand experience from their experience point. Pool? No, in a, in a, or is in it a, just a, a side pool? A side pool. It okay. would be. It would be instead of buying it with gold, they're buying it with ex, experience points. I like that. Yeah, so that way you could be like, yeah, here's two thousand or whatever, and they're not going to be able to get a lot, but they can get some small things here or there. Because when you look at the experience for a lot of these items, when you get through, a lot of them are like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. But unless you start getting into like the smaller potions, at which point then they're like 250, 300, 600. But yeah, your bigger stuff like your staves and your rods, we're talking like 5,000 XP and up. Hmm. So, but yeah, so that's just another way you could do it. Just like, here, you can go shopping, and you have this much experience to spend. Hmm. Yeah, I like that as well. I, I would kind of, I would do a combination of of Vince and Matt, where I would find out what, like, the average experience point pool for the party is, and give that to them for shopping. All right. Yeah. Uh, how about- also, I know what happens in my group when there's, like, a new character that comes in, it gets involved. And yeah. when it comes to magic items, because um, if they've been around for a while, there's the party treasury, the party treasure. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. some magic items in there. It, usually a couple items will come out of the party treasure to that new player as well. That's only fair. Oh, yeah, that's only fair. My, par- my characters or my players would never have a party treasury. I- really? They're that great? I don't think, yeah, everyone would be like, I want it. That's a good idea. I'm gonna start like a. You really never, they, really none of them had a, a party treasury at all. I mean, a, yeah, almost every game I played in, we just take one. it. Yeah. Usually, yeah, it's usually like the stuff that you know nobody wants, as far as magic items, maybe or can't or, use or something. Or, yeah. yeah, or you know maybe some some 
We've also had party treasury as far as gold and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah. Have you done that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. At all or no? I've tried to do that, but I end up being the only one who contributes to it. So there are a bunch of greedy murder hobos in your Well, game. generally, when, yeah. I, when I'm playing <laughs> when I'm in the game, I give out gold and stuff like that. Usually, the people who find it go, well, I'll take, uh, like, five. If I give out 20, they go, well, I'll take a couple of gold and pull the rest into party treasury. And then everyone else will be like, okay, fine. Yeah, you found it. Take your little cut. Yeah. I don't You could try that angle, Crispy. Maybe that would work. I don't know. Yeah. But, all right. So what about integrating a new player into the game into your campaign? So they've never no. played before. Oh. And, uh, you know, they never played before. This happened to me. So that's why I threw this little thing in here. Mm-hmm. They never played uh, first edition before. They really want to play. And they're like, oh, this game looks awesome. And maybe they have some experience playing other RPGs or newer editions. Or maybe they have no experience with service. So does it... Does the whole process of right, making up a character and teaching the game fall on the DM? Or do you, in your games, just throw them to the wolves, let them sit at the table, have the player next to them, or someone who's friendly person that likes to show people stuff, like a teacher-type person, uh, only example I could think of, have them sit with them for the first couple of games and move along that way, and as a DM, every once in a while, explain something. How would you guys handle that? Hmm. Nick, what would you do? Actually, I've had something like that come up recently. Okay. I la- just this past month in my gaming group, we had a brand new player. He oh, he's never played tabletop RPGs before, but oh. I had at least an idea about his. Uh, you know, my friend Jeff, his son, and a friend of his son who wanted to play, and he's familiar with online role playing. I'm like, okay, at least he has that baseline. So yeah. first thing I always try to find out from someone is like. What do you know about role-playing games, if anything at all? And in this case, this person, yeah, they knew, like, you know, playing, like, uh, EverQuest or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So um, as far as being a DM, I go, I always felt like the best way of, of learning is just playing and going along and having someone kind of be like your mentor. Yeah, that, that's a thank you. There's a word I couldn't think of, mentor. Yeah. Right. They're kind of like your mentor. And he just, you know, stuck along with uh, – with Jeff's son, and it's like when it came to combat, it's like, okay, this is the die you use, this is the one you use to roll for damage, and then, you know, you add this, this, and and it went along great. By the end of the night, he got it no problem. Now, that's someone who at least had a basic idea of of how the game is played. Now, if we're talking like someone you're, like, not familiar with it really at all, they've never done, like... Well... But uh, something like that, I always say, well, are you familiar with this movie? Or are you familiar with this type of thing? Yeah, you're trying to find a common yeah. ground. I see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, find a common ground. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I go from that angle. I go, like, okay, yeah, think of it like that, but except you're that that person. You're that character. And there's certain, and I explain a little bit about the mechanics. And then, again, I still go with the mentor thing. Whoever brought them into the game, yeah. they can just kind of go along with them as the game progresses. I think that's the best route. And I know a lot of people, and I actually kind of had this argument with the game group because we had a new player come in. He's never played before. He's only watched like videos online of like Critical Role and things like that. And he really wanted to mm-hmm. play. And I'm like, just want to let you know, this isn't 
that edition they're playing. This is old school. He's like, oh, yeah, my dad always used to have this. So I've seen his books. I've read them. I'm like, oh, okay. So he has a, okay. he has an idea in his head. Maybe his father has told him stories and said this or that, whatever. He was a young kid. He was like 17 around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's young. But uh, <laughs> for us. For us, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I was just like, okay, well, why don't you sit with Jeff? Uh, he'll show you how. And Jeff's like, oh, I'm teaching him nothing. And I'm like, all right. Why not? Yeah. That's... Why not? And, and he just, like, he argued with me because it was not my, it's the job of the DM to integrate a new player into the game and show him how to play. I'm like, well, unfortunately, I have, as a DM, you have a lot of things to do during a yeah, game. Yeah, you got the whole damn game world. You're running the game world. You're keeping track of everything. We don't need the added responsibility of having to show someone the game. If it's right. maybe one or two people in a game, like you and yeah, that'd be fine. Well, you're running a game with six people and then a new person, seventh person. You don't have time to sit there and explain every rule. Right. That's why you have the mentor do it or have someone sit with him, design his character up, go over the options with him, yeah. someone you can trust. That I like that method the best. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, yeah. It sounds to me like Jeff was being a little baby. Uh, yeah, and it's and I just and there is Jeff doesn't exist. I just made that name up out of the air. So <laughs> cuz my gaming group my gaming group does listen every once in a while, so I didn't want the one player to jump jump on me. Yeah, didn't want to incriminate anybody. Yeah, it. that player that did that no yeah. longer plays in our group, so. Ah, well, I can understand uh, why. Yeah, well, he was no, he was all right. He was just a little bit of a, you know, I don't have time for new people type person. Well, I mean, what a, you're you're sitting down at the table, anyways. Where are you going to go? Like, he yeah. didn't you want stuff to do. He didn't want is it, the yeah, hassle. Is it really going to be a role? Is it going to be really difficult for you to take a couple of minutes? To oh no, I have to explain to someone they add plus five to that d twenty. Ugh, my night is ruined. I, I, I've played with a lot of people over the years in multiple editions that are just like no newbies. It's just like, well, how are new people going to get into the hobby then? Exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking that I right. Uh, and I think this like goes along with doing this podcast is I love being an ambassador for this game. Like being a bastard. My way. Heck yeah. It being, you know, giving back to the community and also bringing people in. That's because if you don't do that, the, the hobby's going to die. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, people are like, I don't have time for newbies. It's like, well, okay, fine. Then no one's going to, Join the game new, and we'll be stuck with this stupid loop forever. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. wait to play D and D with the same five people until we all die. And, geez, crispy, that was kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, since he's the baby of the group, he knows he's the one that's going to die last, so he's going to get to see all of us dead. True. Yeah, yes. we'll all die, and Chris will be like, "Well, finally, I can bring some new blood into the game." <laughs> yeah, he's probably already plotting that with the podcast. Well, knowing Crispy the way he is, he's already plotting to take over this show too because he took over Save or Die. So yeah, I do want to say like um, introducing new people yeah. into the hobby is is part of the reason why I'm restructuring Save or Die in the way I am, where it's less about like talking about the old school Renaissance and like all of these different content creators, and more about like, hey, here's like some broad level concepts for why this game is great and why you should play them because yeah. I want yeah. more people. I I want more people so I can play OD and D with. Like I'm, I don't really want to play BX. Like BX is fine. I want to play three brown book D and D with people. I understand what you're saying. You want to go back to the roots. You want to do the history. You want to talk about the game itself, not about the various clones and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I understand. All right. Well, cool. I think we've uh, beaten this into the ground enough. So uh... there's a thing you had said that I wanted to touch on, but I oh, can't what is remember it? it. You don't remember what it was? I, I can't remember what it is. Was it bringing new people but, into the game or? Yeah, I think it was. I, I think I'm in the same boat where like I'll, I usually have I'm bad at teaching people the game as we're playing. Like if I'm DMing. So I, I typically will rely on another player. Usually Tim from Critical Wits, actually. If we're bringing a new person, he's way better at explaining why you do the things you do. It is a pain to play a game and have to, ever, when in the middle of a game, someone go, well, what does this mean? Or what is this that? What is that? What is that? It, it is a little annoying, but just explain yeah, like, it. Take I a few minutes. I can understand getting, like, getting a little annoyed if it's like, I've, you know, no, you have to add, you you always add this thing. At that point, I'd be like, write it down this way, which is a nice teaching moment because then, like, you know, everyone has developed different shortcuts for, yeah. you know, how they play the game that have helped them. Like, if I play a cleric in, in first edition or classic D&D, I look up the turn undead table and write it on my sheet. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. or my saving throws so yeah. that you don't have to reference that matrix like cool. um trask's character sheet oh. i have all my saving throws written down so you that still have you know that. i know it's in the dmg but like i'm trying to help you with that hey man help me help you help me yeah. Yeah. help me help you i will say catch i man, think that jeff the man. most important sure. thing to take away from this is that crispy still has the trask character sheet i do i do yes. still have my trask character sheet i believe we're third level i think we're third or fourth level at that point yeah. yeah all right well we're gonna just you know wrap this up this week something to digest something to think about hopefully you are entertained and, and love this so uh we'll continue doing these and we'll say good night everybody good night good night everyone Frontier Podcast is part of the Wild Games Productions Network and produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. If you'd like to contact us, go to rfipodcast.com, click on contact us, or email us at rfistaff at gmail.com, voicemail line 570 865 4210, facebook.com slash rfipodcast for more. Bye.